you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. So I don't know where you're from. Are you all from Albany or New York? Where are you from? Who are you? Some of the people up front, you see the same fucking people everywhere we go. Shouldn't you be off getting yourself laid somewhere or something? And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett! Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and a very happy thanksgiving week to you all and a very happy announcement week last week you know we're, we're a little bit late on the jump on this but that's what happens when you're on a recorded show very happy announcement that we got an announcement <laughs> That we are getting the shows that were supposed to come in 2020. They are getting rescheduled for May. Very excited about that. And today we're going to do a show from 2006 Albany, New York. A show from May as well, ironically enough. Right. So we're weirdly tying things and connecting things together. But I don't know how that that was possible. And that was definitely coincidental. But well, let's just get into the show. Randy Sobel over here. John Farrar over there. Hello, hello. Yo, so uh, I, I guess let's not bury the lead. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, the, the show's coming back. It's good to have an answer. That's that's what I'll say. It's good to have an answer, and it's good to know that, okay, they're thinking about it, and they want us to know it's on its way. Yeah, it gives us something to look forward to now. Like, I think it people were starting to get a little antsy being because you're seeing everyone else come back, right? You're seeing people announce tours. And stuff's happening. And we, you know, I'd always said that Pearl Jam was the first to cancel. They were going to be the last to come back. And 
with the nature of people traveling and stuff like that. So it's great that they felt comfortable enough to do this. We got the announcement said that the dates will be announced uh, first of the year. So we can mark that and be on the lookout for that. But I think if we had gone through December and just not heard anything, people would have started to get a little nervous and a little angry and you would have started to see the mood turn a little bit. So this is kind of a, this was kind of a nice thing for them to do after the glow of see here now and Ohana is worn off to go to kind of go, all right, these are in the works. Don't worry. They're coming. Right. Yeah. And you're right. It was perfect timing because it, it, that's that's as long as it takes. It's like about a month or so where, OK, we're pretty satisfied with this. And, and I, I've been telling a lot of people, people can kind of sometimes tune in and out of this community a little bit just because of and right now you got to think like okay november and the holidays are coming and you have football that's on and people a lot of people are paying attention to football in our case when you're kind of fighting against content and we're you know going against fantasy football podcasts and whatever else is out there but i think pearl jam fans are the loudest when they're most restless and after those shows at Ohana and, and in New Jersey, it felt like there was a little bit of time and it still does feel like there's a little bit of time now where everybody can just relax. We got the shows, whether you were there or not, it feels like something was substantial and, and just hearing the new songs at the time that we heard them, like, I, I think that's satisfactory enough for people to not be out of their minds about this. So I, it all happening at a perfect time. Like if you're right, if they waited until the end of the year to say anything, I think people would have gotten antsy, but to, to put it out there now, like, Hey, just to let you know, wait on it. But I also think it's, it's weird that they did that and didn't put it in a 10 club newsletter. Sometimes I think what, what's the newsletter for, if you're not going to announce things like that in the newsletter, you know what I mean? They've kind of done that, though. I don't think the last few have been announced in the newsletter either. I think they. That's what I mean. Keep that as a different thing. Yeah, I don't know. They, well, we, like, we we got the we got the Ed solo album announcement. We did, and yeah. uh, we got the next Vault, which is technically yeah. re-releasing Vault One now on vinyl, which is very right. exciting. I'm yeah, very excited for it. I have the order. Yep ready but it's good to see things happening and then you know once we really get on tour and get out there and we'll be out there we'll start to see people more and we'll start to to really get a sense of what this show and what this podcast was really meant to do so hang on to that idea i don't want to ruin everything from this point but hang on to that idea for much much later and uh, we'll get into something real good. But let's talk about this show that we're doing today, which was a Patreon request from our patron, Zach Fields. We are going to get to him in just a second. But let's uh, let's kind of prime this. 2006, this is May. This is very early in this tour. They actually, they did two dates in Toronto and, and did a bunch of, you know, the Letterman stuff and a show at Irving Plaza. So they were doing a lot of promotional hype for this before and it feels like this is probably the third actual show of this tour so this is very early on and you're getting these avocado songs which we don't talk about a whole lot because we usually jump around eras so you're getting them in their very very early stages here yeah we've got a you go up and down the list second time this one's played fourth time this one's played sixth time this one's played over and over again we're gonna get a lot of that today because i think they played nine of them at this show Correct. Yeah, that's leaving only four off the record. Yeah. But also coming with the 2006 tour is not just very early on avocado stuff, but it feels like 
2006 was sort of the mecca of bringing all of the rare songs back. And I want to bring this back to Mansfield because it feels like Mansfield is sort of the hub for this. And we'll get into that when uh, when we play a little bit of, of uh, Zach's conversation that we had with him. But it feels like after Mansfield and after they played all those songs, they brought a bunch of them back like like Wygo and Deep and, and maybe some of them they didn't actually bring back at Mansfield. But people kind of see that because they brought everything back when I say everything there are some things that are left off the table, but that's kind of where this comes in a little bit, where we are within this show, because there are, are three or four songs that you can say that they never, ever, ever play at this point in time, and they're putting out on the table for them. And Ed kind of remarks a couple times in the show, it's like, ah, these these people, what they want, they just want to hear stuff that, that you never heard before. And he's kind of saying it like tongue in cheek. And I, I, I think they don't necessarily want to play those kind of songs. They're doing it as a fan service. But it's interesting to see both sides of the equation here that, yes, they are giving in and they're saying, all right, we know that you guys want your rats and your Satan's bed and, and leash and, and Dirty Frank and all those songs. But then th- that's it. The, the, the fans just want to be satisfied and they are satisfied if, if that's what they get. But it doesn't necessarily seem like the band wants to go in that direction. Yeah, it really, I think it really goes back to the breath campaign and that 98 MSG show. That was kind of the germ of it. Where like the fans realized like, okay, like we can maybe have a say in this and we can maybe influence some things here. So, and yeah, Mansfield was the culmination of that. And then 2006 comes around and Pearl James just throwing everything on the table. Like stuff starts coming back that, like you said, we never thought we'd get again. And I think it's a lot of that they were mature at this point. Like you're talking about people, guys getting into their forties now. You just don't care as much anymore. Like, yeah, if they want to hear it, fine. It, we don't. It might not be great, but hey, you asked for it. And the shows are starting to get a little longer. You're starting to, you know, cross over the two hour mark. They played a lot of shows this year, so that gives them a lot of chance. You still get a chance to play a lot of new stuff, but. Yeah, it's, it's mostly just their way of saying thank you to these fans. Like, they stuck with them through 98, through 2000, through 2003. Like, Pearl Jam in 2006, you're starting to get the dad era. And, you know, they're not as relevant as they were before. They're not they're not young men anymore. So you you lose a lot of, like, they may not have wanted to play that because, oh, like, we... I care too much. I'm not. I'm not playing that song. But by the time you get to to 2006, you're like, eh, all right, could be fun. You know, we're, the songs don't have the same meaning that they did back in 1992 or 1994 or whatever. So yeah, why not? You know, it's interesting. I, I kind of thinking about this now, and and not something I put a lot of thought into is the the factor of why Albany. And I think you always get these these places where it's just total random place on the map and and Albany's not New York City by any stretch of the imagination and it's not a Boston it's probably not even your second tier city and I, like tr- Toronto or something right right well I, I mean I even put Toronto up in the first tier yeah. I think oh, Toronto yeah, is sure. a a big one, but like, I think Buffalo, I don't know, Albany, like just a rung below Buffalo. Cause when I, when I think of these tiers, I also think of like, all right, does a place like Albany have 
a professional sports team. No, they, they don't. So it's going to be smaller arenas. So it's going to be smaller places. And it's, it's, I've been to the venue before, not when it was the Pepsi arena, but whatever it's called now. I think in this instance, why they brought all these songs to the table in such a random, what would seemingly be a random place, is that in 2003, it seemed like they had a show that was cut short, that it was a really good show and people had been really into it. It was it was one of those barn burners that happened at the, the first leg of the 2003 tour with, with the Nassau Coliseums and the State Colleges and, and the Buffalo shows from that year. Like, all of those shows were spectacular. And they had to cut that pretty short, if I'm not mistaken, to about two hours where they were usually playing up to like, you know, 2.30 and playing 27, 28 songs. This, I think, only got 23, 22 or 23 songs. So I'm wondering if that was responsible for why they, they decided that this would be the place. Or maybe it's just early on the tour. Let's get it out of the way now. So when we go to the West Coast later, when we go to places like Vegas and, and Colorado later, people won't be begging for them then. Could be. We know Ed keeps track of all that stuff. He has that notebook he carries around. He knows everything that was played. But I think part of it too is like, it's it's not New York City. There, there's not a thousand press people asking for access. They're not doing two nights there. It's Albany's is kind of it's just kind of one of those like Moline, Greenville type of places. Like sure. Yeah. It's just kinda of out of the way. You just go and play and you can kinda of like it's kinda of loose. Like this is a little sloppier of a show. It's they're just having fun. Like it's just that kind of a vibe. So yeah, I think you're right. So let's hear a little bit of our conversation when we talk to our patron, Zach Fields. And this was for our Horizon Leg profile that we do over on Patreon for all of the Horizon Leg patrons that, that join up. They get a chance to talk about Pearl Jam and go into depth on all their show stories and things like that. It's a very fun experience. If, if, you, if you are a Horizon Leg patron and haven't done it yet, get in touch with us. Make sure you do. If you aren't from that tier and that's something that you'd like to do that is open for you... And And uh, that's an opportunity that Zach got this past week. Let's just hear why he picked Albany and some of his favorite moments from this show. So I'm just going to run it right here. Let's hit to Zach. So I went to college nearby at Union College in Schenectady, New York. So I was a junior at the time. Like thinking back, I was like, this is a Friday night, junior in May. That was a great night. Thinking back. And just a good time, a great time in my life. I think we all look back at college fondly. And I took a, a good friend from college who's like big fish head, um, really into like just jam bands, and he was blown away by it. And then like re-listening to it, like I forgot how sneaky good this show is, and just how they just came out of the gates just firing, and how the you know they started off with four avocado songs and just ripped through them, and they were so tight. And I just remember thinking, like, this is the tightest I've seen them so far. 2003, they were a bit looser with everything. 2006, I think they were... All those boots just sound, like, I think, pristine to me. Like, And then Matt's getting more into it with the backing vocals. Probably just don't think about it as much because of where it was. It was Albany, and there were so many other amazing shows, but it's just a, it's a sneaky good show and a great listen. Like, really, every song was, was done really well. You were kind of given some treats that night, too. I think before Red Mosquito, you hear Ed say, you know what, we're we're going to do some some songs that you guys don't normally hear. 
And when you hear that, like, I mean, this is coming off of, of Mansfield. What, what are you thinking? Well, yeah, because we didn't – so at Mansfield, because we didn't get leash or rats. I think I was, like, kind of – I guess I knew that the river rats played there. Ed had mentioned it, and I was like, oh. I didn't make that – I didn't, never made that connection before the show started. I think he made a reference to the river rats, and he played a different song. But I was like, okay, rats is – definitely coming tonight i think i, I knew that it had, yeah hadn't played been played in forever i didn't know the exact year but i was just like that's definitely coming at some point especially since like they had been like they did that letterman show before that so they definitely like, been working on older stuff a bit more tightening it up especially with like satan's bed and why go pretty frank came back that year yeah yep. yeah we got sad that show then Red Mosquito being one of my favorite songs. That was one of the songs I really enjoyed off No Code when I first came across the album. So that was pretty special. I think that's 2006. I just took their live show really to another level. And this show is just super emblematic of that. Even like Even Flow, which, you know, sometimes works for me, sometimes doesn't. This one does. And that's, you know, you can hear the crowd, how loud they are. And just like, it was a great crowd too. Like they received those first, you know, it's rare you get four new, like I was at Asbury Park. So I, we got the, the three, uh, the new songs. So I don't, it kind of reminded me of that as well. But they just like ran through those songs, like, and the crowd was loving it. Very loud crowd, great crowd. What would you say are your top moments from that show? Like, give us two or three. Uh, first being Wasted Reprise into Life Wasted to start. I, I think that's the first time they did that. Like, you know, the album, they're separated and denied. Like listening to the album, I was like, man, it'd be really cool if they went from wa- Wasted uh, Reprise into Life Wasted. They did that and just slayed it. And had to go Given a Fly being one of my favorite songs. And follow that with uh, Grievance, actually. So I guess that's the three. I was just like re-listening again. I guess I have to say I, I, I've got a fourth because Sad. Sad is a very uh, important song to me, so um, hearing that was pretty freaking cool. All right. So thank you, Zach, for sharing all that in great detail. And this wasn't Zach's first request. I think I had to veto a couple of shows from him because either we had done it before or I, I was saving it for something else. So uh, thankfully, he got us something that wasn't really on our radar. I always We always love those kind of shows. When we're not thinking about it, that's when we want it thrown in our face. So thank you very much, Zach. Just, we're covering this for you today and for anybody else that, that went to this one. So Yeah, thanks, Zach. I think before we get into the actual show, let's kind of talk a little bit about the sound check because we have that available to us. So they are sound checking Satan's Bed. They do it twice. They hadn't played it since the, the state college version, which really means they hadn't played it since yeah. 96. Because that yeah. to consider that to be played is not considering much. It, it was it was not much of a version. They they literally got a t-shirt thrown at him that said Satan's Bed, and Jeff was like, okay, I'll play around with it. So the rest of the band followed along. It, it barely counts. So they're they're messing with it. It sounds pretty good. And they're also messing with Red Mosquito a little bit. They're playing it a little bit slower, which is a conversation that we'll have when we get into the song. And then in my tree also get sound checked great in my tree great they do not play at the show but that in my tree 
is sort of akin to the 2003 in my trees where yep. it's it, it's kind of paced out a little bit it's drawn out the chorus is is paced out a little more so what uh obviously in my tree excites you but what about all this like what do you think about it all yeah it's just interesting to get kind of the behind the scenes look at satan's bed and being like okay like you can you can kind of hear them kind of almost kind of talking to each other like i think head's talking to stone or to man like all right, all right or stone's talking to someone and being like, all right, we're going to work through this. Like, oh, start from there. Like, make sure, make sure you do this. And it's just the riffs a couple of times first. They're just kind of like, okay, let's just kind of play off it and see if we remember. And then they do like a complete run through of it with vocals and everything. And yeah, it's just, it's kind of a cool look at uh, behind the scenes process that we don't normally get to hear. Let's get the show started. And the way we're going to start the show is very interesting. We're getting a wasted reprise right off the top. And that's leading into the transitional into life wasted. songs that are kind of in pieces like this and the one that i'm remembering which i'm sure is is not going to be something i'm sure you're going to have a different example than i'm i'm going to have but the one that i can remember is like system of a down did a song called soldier side which is kind of an intro song and they did that into byob and that kind of reminds me of this and that's how they started their shows and when I went to my first Pearl Jam show, I thought that they were going to open this way. I thought that that's basically the, the way that they were opening every single night on the store was doing the reprise into Life Wasted because it seemed like an obvious move. But also I wasn't thinking about how they think in terms of set list wise. I was thinking about in the grand scheme of how most bands put together the beginning of their show. It's like this. But because they've only did it five times in their history, it makes it a special occasion. Yeah, I think this is this is pretty good. And you know, you, you lost me at System of a Down. That I, I, I knew I was going to. Yeah, up there. But um, I'm sure I've, you know I can't think of uh, 
think of a specific example, but I'm sure you know I've seen bands do it, uh, kind of mix kind of two songs together like this. I'm with you. I like this a lot. I think it's kind of a cool way to kind of ease you in, especially since Wasted Reprise is very short. And it's like a minute, minute and a half at most. And it's cool to kind of get, get boom that moment at the beginning of the show because it just kind of like eases into it. Just kind of... And yeah, I think it's, it's great. And then Life Wasted kicks in and off you go. I mean, you're getting four, four songs from the new record here, so they're not wasting any time. No, and what I like about Life Wasted here is I think that Life Wasted had for like the last year or two had kind of been stocked down for me and uh, this this brought it up just a little bit because I think when I think of it in terms of the last decade or so it's stocked down just because it's down tuned it just feels like it's there just to be an arena song and it just doesn't have that same punch that same bite it seems like they really are coming out of the gate enjoying this one like bringing an attitude to it and 2006 versions are usually much better than what you would get after on. Yeah, because it's, it's getting that like new album bump, right? This is only the sixth time you're playing it, so and it, it's great. I think Matt, especially, yeah, plays really well on it. Some really good uh, Cameron moments. It felt like Matt was kind of turning into the star of the 2006 tour here. It, it, well, Ed, Ed would tell you he's always been the star since he's been the Oh, for sure, but Even it's... going a little bit later here. Yeah, that, and it kind of seems like it's getting more and more appreciative as it goes on, and in 2006 yeah. you'd see things like Even Flo would get the solo, and that's how much they think of that, that they are like, just fucking go off on this and this. But it, it's also, I think it's the mix a little bit, and I think it's just the way that the songs are being paced and everything just feels fast. This is a rock record and that's his that's, right. that's his style. That's that's what he grew up playing, so this is right in his wheelhouse. Absolutely, and you have to take into account that he's now doing the backup singing on these songs yep. too, which is very good as well. So, yeah, we got two avocado songs that are following up. Look, these songs have all kind of been part of the early onset of the 2006 set to the point where I think we talked about with Zach that in Chicago, some of those shows, people were just not having them. They were at the top of the show. They're like, no, we're, we're not interested in these. Let's not, let's not pay attention to them. And they had to kind of reshuffle the deck a little bit with the crowd in order to get people pumped and excited about these songs that they were excited about. So Worldwide Suicide and Severed Hand are the ones that are following uh, the the Wasteeds a little bit. Especially Severed Hand. I thought Severed Hand was fantastic. Once you get to the ending of that and they like really find that groove and jam with it, uh, I, that's just such a good song. And it makes for a great live showcase. And one that is unfortunate that we don't see more often. I know it's stuck around a little bit like it was yeah. the one in the backspacer era that kind of you know kept in the distance a little bit and, and and popped up every now and again but man this feels like it's one that should be brought back like every fifth or sixth show kind of deal yeah i'm with you i think the yeah the ending of severed hand where where mike mike solo was just off the charts
like you said, it was getting mixed into that opening part of the set for a long time. But yeah, it's been a, been a while since they played it, I think. Yeah, I'm sure they did it a little bit in 2018, but again, like not substantial enough. Yeah, Yeah, that's not substantial enough to say like, okay, this is a part of the set list. Like it was two or three times a year. Yeah, right. Yep. And that you know, it's good when it does pop up. It's welcome when it does pop up. But to get the full love for the song, I I think it needs to be consistent. So a couple of non-avocado songs right here that you pretty much get every single show. Evolution, Elderly Woman, Behind the Counter in a Small Town, Given to Fly. And uh, for the most part, especially on Evolution, Speed is the theme here. And I think we mentioned with Matt a little bit before, he's controlling the pace. I think he's doing with with a lot of these songs you're going to see at the end of the main set that it's pretty much kind of Matt driving that as well. But Let's kind of, before Elderly Woman, talk a little bit about that speech, because Ed mentions like, hey, hello, Albany. It feels like we're on a goddamn date in Albany on a Friday (laughs) night. Have you been? Feels great to be back in the home of the River Rats, clean and dirty, one and all. All the Mm. rats in the back. Gee, I wonder. Foreshadowing, yep. We're going to get going. We're going to be here quite a while. Maybe that's a reference to what happened the last time that they were in Albany. I don't think they've been in Albany since. I think this is the nope. last yeah. appearance. The 2006 was the last appearance for a lot of different places. Yeah. But we're playing this song at this point in the set as a reminder that even though I have the mic, I don't have to do all the singing. One, two, three, four, two, three goes an elderly woman. And I think that this is a good indication that you have a nice crowd here, that you have sort of the small townish. It's not going to be like the 20,000 that you would get in a TD Bank Garden or a Madison Square Garden or so, somewhere like that. It's going to be a little smaller. So I, I think that's kind of a tongue in cheek saying it's a small, you know, small town. Everybody sing together. You want to bring that kind of closeness in with the crowd and just get that vibe. That's that's what they had going early on. They were able to kind of bring them in and, and excite them. You know, it's very look. The record came out ten days before this, so you have something good going on. People are in really good spirits here, and this is one that I think they want to participate on. Yeah, this is definitely a highlight. You know, he asks for help, and, and he gets it. This, this crowd obliges. They they do a really good job of singing along. You can hear it very loudly, very clearly. He even, like, when it when it gets to the end, he even, like, throws them, like, go big, here we go. Yep. And, yeah, it's, it's a great moment. I mean, it's it's one of those things, like, it's still, especially, you know, here we are. You know, you you got to see them a couple months ago, but I still haven't, I still haven't seen a concert since 2019, probably. So, Hearing this crowd kind of made the hair stand up on my arms a little bit, gave me a little bit of chills, like, oh, man, you know, getting to the point where you're starting to miss it and starting to see it. Um, yeah, Small Town's great here. Yeah, that, that Ed speech is very good. There's another one at the Encore break that's iconic that I remember, you know, from this show. And this just says, like, they're they're in a, in a good mood. It's Friday night. People are having fun. And it's that kind of a show. This is like a sloppy, fun show. Yeah, I can I can see that. I can agree with that. And and Given a Fly kind of taken after Elderly Woman right there. We said this in the Given a Fly Evolution episode that whenever you see Given a Fly packaged together with a song, it's usually going to be with Elderly Woman, whether it's before or afterwards. So you, you get two that are so familiar right in the middle here, and then you're going to stop and say, all right, 
we're going to do one that we haven't played in quite a while. This would be the first of a couple on this night, and that's Red Mosquito not being played for 40 shows since Calgary in 2005. has a little bit of a groove to it and you know while this is really a song you gotta listen to Mike on I was listening to Stone on this for the most part and I don't know if it was just louder in my right ear or what but Stone felt like he was the one driving the direction here and Mike was able to kind of just almost go off in his own direction while Stone was really the driving force behind it and it was a little a little slower than usual you you think whenever this song kind of drives and gets fast it's because mike is kind of at this frantic speed but this was all stone i was waiting for danny quench to come out it feels like we've been <laughs> part of the band now but um yeah i'm with you it was it felt really open and that that's probably due to the the pace a little bit and and that that stone that's what he can do on that's why he's one of the greatest rhythm guitar players of all time he can he can give it that feel on songs like this and make it feel like it's like Red Mosquito Source. It's, it fits in perfectly with Given to Fly there. Yeah, I think this is this is great back-to-back. Absolutely, and for not being played at 40 shows, doing it a little bit differently, and this was one that they were doing in the sound check to try to see, all right, what do we got with it? Well, you know, let's... let And, and, and you're able to, in the sound check, kind of hear stone in the beginning just do it himself which is is very kind of humbling for this because it's almost an acoustic version of red mosquito which is pretty much an oxymoron it's very interesting the approach that they decided to take with it and uh the result turned out pretty good usually this is a speed song one that you're just listening to mike you gotta listen to stone on this version though even flow is the section here that follows up and you know you get two songs that are really supposed to be Mike showcase songs but i feel like a lot of the showcase again i'm listening to what stone is doing again mixed into what mike is doing and and you know maybe that mix is just favoring stone in 2006 and and maybe i think later mixes mike is a little bit louder is more prominent in your ear but i i hear a lot of what stone's doing and even flowing again not the most exciting thing about the song but bringing the song to where it's supposed to be and putting it in its place and i think he's doing it perfectly yeah, very good. And it's funny too. He, he talks about Red Mosquito, and he's like, "Oh, here's one we haven't played since yesterday." Right. Yeah. It's actually, you know, two days prior, but last show. And then the thing with Even Flow for me is just like small town. It's hearing hearing that crowd take it, and and having that be a really fun moment. Yeah, really good. And you're able to hear kind of a surge with Matt at the transitional moment where they're breaking back into the last chorus, and that would be calm 
at some point the solo. That would be the solo moment. He doesn't really quite get it here, but it's just interesting that, that that's the that's a little tease of it. Just just that little part. That's just a little tease of it. And once we get in the thick of this tour, you'll really start to hear some of the legendary, legendary Cameron solos that, that have happened on Even Flow, which are just absolutely fantastic. And look, not to say that his solos and his his, his work uh, building the progression here are uh, such a, a key factor in the band, but Stone is taking the mic to say that Matt's backup vocals are, this is, we've never been able to sing that part in Even Flow, and now Matt sings the hell out of it. And he's singing to us, and he's like, I love Matt Cameron. And uh, it's very good. Just very good. I got to bring this up, though, because Ed addresses Mike, as they like to do during uh, the the post-Even Flow ceremonies. And he said Mike is playing what was a 59 Strat, but he added 10 years onto it. It's now a 49 Strat. Okay, this is wrong on both counts, because what we know now is that that Strat is actually a 60 Strat. Because everybody, th- there was that story that came out earlier oh, yeah. this year. Yeah. That it's that the, the 59 Strat that he always thought he had is actually a 60 Strat. Now, I don't, I don't know the difference. I don't, like, get the significance behind, you know, which year and which one was supposed to be the best sounding one. But it feels like 59 is just a little bit better than 60 to me. Yeah, I think it has to do with the manufacturing. I think they changed the design of it a little bit and the manufacturing of it in 59. So it was like the first one of like the classic Strat. So that's the one that you you want. It's got that, the original sound. I think, you know, you hear the Gaslight Anthem had that that 59 sound. 59 sound, yep. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of considered like the, the classic guitar sound. And it's there, you know, it's probably worth, 10 times more than a, than a 1960 one. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just that classic sound. I'm, but I'm sure Mike can get a 59 one if he wants. If he he's wanted got, to, yeah. I, I, I'd say whether he has a 59 or a 60, he's doing okay. He, right. He's, he's got the sound regardless. So Ed mentions here, he read something in the paper with his morning cigarette and morning bottle of wine and said that they approved a $70 billion tax cut for the next two years. So the wealthiest 15 million people in this country, their sons are and daughters aren't joining the war, but I think the top 2% should sacrifice a little bit of themselves for the people that don't have a choice. So that's a lot of what was going on at the time, and that's an interesting little intro into Army Reserve. And also, this shouldn't be buried here, that's the last time they talk in the main set. How crazy is that? The next he has, nine. He has, he has one line before gone. That's it. Yeah. I don't even, I barely even count that though. Yeah. yeah. Barely even count it. But basically all the, these nine songs are all in a row, which is interesting because you get the, the next four, you can kind of package together, which would be army reserve daughter. Off he goes gone. Those are mid tempo can be sing alongs can be a little bit more, more atmospheric in, in some of those. And then the ones that are following up are going to be a little faster pace. So why don't we obviously start with the ones that we're on right now, the mid-tempo stuff. Only the third performance of Army Reserve. Again, we mentioned it before, you're getting the early indications of these songs. 
and it's only been played 31 times but every time they do it, it it's got this jammy vibe to it and even in this i don't know if in later versions you really get to hear boom's role in that song but late in the song you, you get something that you don't usually hear out of boom or, or maybe that you're not expecting and maybe it's because you just don't listen to army reserve every single day that's not one that's in my common rotation right there but you know, hearing boom on that, I'm like, all right, that's a, that's a little bit something different. I I am down with this. I'm all right with this. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you that's a, that's a cool thing you get to hear boom kind of like take his place in these songs and kind of find his spot. By by 2006, he was definitely entrenched. He played a bunch of shows with him. It's not like 2003 where he was kind of like popping in and out and he might not play on something from 10, but here he was starting to add a little something, everything. So. Yeah, I like it. Army Reserve is not one like 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 you. I'm the same way. It's not one that I ever go back to. But uh, yeah, sure, it was, it was fine. But it only increases in quality for the next three. I think Daughter's very good. There's an interesting little tease in the in the tag that Jeff sounds like he wants to play WMA. It does. They, yeah, they really, I know. They never really, it never catches on. They never get into it. Yeah. Um, off he goes. I prefer it when it's like kind of that that stark kind of like almost Johnny Cash feel to it. But this one is a little more upbeat, a little folkier, but still good. Love the song. But then it's, it's all about gone here. Like one of the, one of the best performances of the night, I thought fantastic all around. Every, everybody gets, gets a moment and gone at, at, at the beginning, Cameron, you get stone and Mike. Like I, I thought this was a fantastic performance. these songs kind of have that sort of rise and fall feel to it where you're building to something and i thought off he goes kind of had that like big build where once you finish that up you know that the crowd is going to respond to it that they're just locked in on and i think gone had that too and especially that that's a song where at the end it just drives it drives you up 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 it keeps going upwards and upward momentum and it just drives you in that direction and it's going to be kind of the balance of where the set list is to bring 
bringing you into some of the next songs that you're, you're going to get here. I think you, you said it, it's one of the better performances from the show for sure. And I, I think where you are momentum wise, I think it's needed. These are four songs that are very similar, like I mentioned, four more mid-tempo songs. And you kind of need to finish the section off strong. And without this momentum, I don't know if you get the same momentum coming into the next part of the set. I just think we need to start a, a Gone for 2022 campaign. This thing hasn't been played since 2014. That's absolutely criminal. I'm, I'm starting to hear Gone needs what? to come back. Gone would have been a really good option for Asbury Park because it was written yeah, not sure. very far away from there. That's what he even says here. He says, oh, this was written close to here. Right. Yeah, I would love to hear Gone Again. I know that there are a lot of people that, that haven't heard it before that are, are get on sort the, of... Get on the bandwagon now, people. We're, we're leaving the station. We're going. Gone 2022. Look, I, I think I'm more in the boat of, of wanting Severed Hand back in a lot of these shows, but I would take Gone too. I, I've seen Severed Hand a little bit more than I've seen Gone. So, yeah, uh, yeah it definitely something that if you didn't appreciate it when you saw it in 06 or whenever you saw it, I think it's going to be something that you would appreciate uh, in, in this era. And look, I think they're they're due for something like another situation they had on this night where they bring back a lot of these songs. They played fucking Sweet Loop, so everything's on the table. Still. Everything's on the table. You're right. You're absolutely right. Even when there's 20 songs being played a night, yeah. everything's on the table. Okay. To end your main set, there are five songs here, and I'm packaging them together because the pace going in from each to the next, bouncing each to the next, it's hitting you. They're hard hitters, and they're very, very good. Grievance, Jeremy, Marker and Sand, Comatose, Why Go. Yeah, I mean, it's just set them up and knock them down with these. I, I think that, that it's focused heavily on Matt and how he's driving the songs, and I think even with Grievance... You mentioned some of this show is pretty sloppy in ways, and I didn't think Grievance was sloppy, but I kind of heard that it just picked up the pace. It just picked up the pace from where it usually is. Yeah, it's it's just so much more. It's so much faster, and I don't want to mistake that for being a sloppy version at all, but that's just what you're getting. Yeah, I think Zach had even mentioned that this was one one of his favorite ones. It's definitely played too fast, but when you're there live you're like fuck yeah man rip it and like when they hit that downstroke of it when they all like kind of jump on that one chord and kind of go oh it rips man they have grievance here it's uh it's an upbeat rocker but yeah i thought marker in the sand another one that that we never really talked about we gotta talk about marker in the sand because yeah there's you're right
in the last verse, like Stone does a little melodic little lead thing. We talked about Stone a lot. He has a great show here. Well, something we never heard before. And again, you mentioned Boom on uh, on Army Reserve. Boom here again on Marker and the Sand sounds really great. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I didn't even catch the little something different that Stone was doing because that's how little I listen to Marker in the Sand. And that's not, uh, you know, that's not an insult to what the song is, but a lot of these songs that they're playing at this show, you got to think of the shows that we've been doing lately. We did 1995 and 1997 for the last couple of weeks. And, and before that, some 2003, and kind of jumping all over the place and some eras that are more recent where they wouldn't play these songs much anyway. So Marker in the Sand has really not been on my radar for a very long time so i couldn't tell you what the studio version sounded like compared to what the live version sounded like and again not to discredit the song at all because i do like the song i think it is more underrated and underappreciated from that record than some of them need to be but yeah i i I like this version I, i think that when I think back to the song, I kind of think of the version, the one that I got, and I always tell the story that it's, you know, Mike was in the wrong key and gets on the mic afterwards and says, I wrote the song, but I fucked it up, and it's a very funny moment, and then they just go into the song and and kill it. They absolutely kill it, and that kind of reminds me of the same way they were playing off uh, that version that that I saw. So, yeah, yeah, this is very good. It hasn't been played since 2016. I was there when they the last time they played it in Columbia, right. and only played five times in the 2010s. So another one that's just kind of like, right? Where is it? Yeah, where is it? But yeah, but this one. Like, yeah, bring this one back. I think it's yeah. I'm with you. It's in the top half of that record. You know what? To bring a lot of these songs back, you know what you need? A war. Right. <laughs> maybe maybe they should stay I, where they are. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. I will take careful, no careful war. <laughs> for these songs to not come back. So, yeah, that's... I'm totally okay with that. Means you don't need them. Um, Comatose. We don't talk about Comatose too much. When when was the last time we talked about Comatose? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's just... I I think... And this is the era for it, too. Like, it's been kept over a little bit into the 2010s. I've seen it a couple times. But in 2006, it felt like it had all the materials that it needed for just the absolute frenzy of your set list to get it as the penultimate one of the night and you got to think with all these in a row grievance jeremy barker and sand like it's juicing you up it's building to this big moment where they're just gonna run through this song it's essentially like almost like an older lucan you know what i mean They, they it takes like two and a half minutes two minutes to run through the song and it's just fast it just splits hairs This song is is tough for me because 
I remember hearing Crapshoot Rapture on the bootleg after that show and being like, this song is awesome. And then you hear Comatose and you're like, this song is not as good as Crapshoot Rapture was. The lyrics are not as good. It's, it's very blatantly about Terry Schiavo. People can go Google that if they want to. And I just, I just don't like it as much as I, I did Crapshoot Rapture. I thought it, it, it flowed a lot better there. But again, this version, like Ed is late coming, he just can't keep up with the pace of it, with the vocals, and it's, it's just a little sloppy. Just yeah, pass. Didn't like yeah, it. that's that's a lot of my complaints about when they bring it back in the 2010s. I didn't, I didn't get a lot of that here. Maybe a little bit, but yeah, usually it's kind of down tuned, and usually Ed is just by the time that breakdown kind of happens and he has to sing that part, he's usually lost. He's usually pretty lost by that point. But it's just one that you in the crowd. You got to think you yeah. in the crowd. Yeah, you get lost in this one as well. Just, just like it, it should have been an angrier song, and it just it, comparatively, yes, it is on the record probably the angriest one. But yeah. I don't think it really. I don't think it really has the bite that it should. The, the crapshoot rapture did. And we only got like one or two versions of the actual. Yeah, think, yeah. What that was so yeah. very brief. But yeah, th- those are those are good. I mean, look, we can go back. And talk about that, but that means we have to release a uh, a live on four legs vault edition. Which Hashtag free easy street. We uh, we do not have that is not in our possession. So closing your set here is a song that wasn't anywhere before 2003. It was stuck like the last time you heard it was 1995 with Jack. And even then, it was losing a little bit of steam. It was really a Dave A song. But now, in 2006, they're starting to not just bring it back. They're bringing it back to close their main set a lot. This wasn't the first time it closed the main set, but they continued to kind of do it throughout this tour. And this one would become more of a showstopper. I didn't see or feel much of this version here. Like, when you get later, you get a lot of the, the hay chants in the beginning, and you get, like, heavier, heavier bass. I didn't feel those elements in this version, but you can kind of see that they're wanting to see what they have with it, and they're wanting to see where can we go with this one, and how can this one be a fan favorite for, for shows. Yeah, this would be an interesting one to do an evolution on at some point, because... You look at, you you know, you go to 1995, they're kind of falling out of love with these 10 songs. Why Go comes back in 2003, and it's a different version. Like, it's got that guitar intro. It doesn't have the drum intro. Does the, the bass is not there in the beginning. It's guitar. And then in 2006, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, forget about that. Here it is again. And they played it a ton that year. Like, every other night almost. Starting at that London kickoff show. And then it had Letterman and then Irving Plaza and Toronto and here and Hartford, Chicago, like on and on and on. Why goes back? And it's great. Like it, you, you could kind of forget like how how big this was at the time. That like Why Go was back and it was the original version, and people loved it. This is where it became kind of that thing. Like everybody gets you know throw up their middle fingers like what the fuck and do the big like it, it turns into that crowd moment like. Like, this is, I, I love these versions. You can tell, like, they're stoked to play at the beginning of this. Like, during the intro, you know, normally it's just drum and bass, but here you get guitars, you get Stone and Mike. Like, they're all just super excited to play it. This was a really energetic close to this. I think it was really good. Yeah, I, I didn't think it had those elements that later on it would have to, to make it feel like 
that closing song. I, yeah, I didn't. It kept, it kept growing. You're kind of you're just just starting to get it here. Right, but I think a lot of people in the crowd, like you kind of mentioned here, because it's not quite seen as the common thread. It's still seen as sort of a rare element. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people are thinking at the end here, like, whoa, we just got Why Go to End Our Main Set. And how many 10 songs? They played Jeremy and they played Even Flow, but those are the 10 songs from the main set, and that's it. They wouldn't do too many more for, on this night. That's that's big for a lot of people. That's real big. So for me, not a showstopper just yet, but this is this is starting to to figure its way into those moments that's for solo, sure the solo is nuts it's really good time that means let's pause for station identification let's talk a little bit about what's going on uh, over at patreon we've been releasing episodes and we released an episode last week featuring the cbgb show from 1991 next week we will feature uh the next in our late night tv series which will feature the Bob Dylan tribute show and the Masters of War version that they did for that, which is fantastic. If you've seen, I've talked about it a lot on social media lately. And uh, we also will have a new show that is probably by this time that is out on Patreon that we're trying something different. And it's not really involving John and I. It's involving our friends and listeners, Patrick Bogle and Brian Horowitz. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to put together a show that discussed talking about the early days of collecting bootlegs. And uh, we, we decided, look, let's let's figure out a way to do this. Let's kind of figure out some themes for this. And, you know, it's not just collecting bootlegs, but it's the things that you had to do. It's the, the people that you, you traded with. It's going into record stores and uh, having them play bits and samples for you so you knew what you were getting when, when you bought something for 40, 50 bucks. It's all those elements that are kind of thrown in there. And uh, what Brian and, and Patrick are able to do, uh, just kind of reliving that, which we don't necessarily have from this generation because it's all digital, it's all bootleg. You don't really have to do much of the collecting. So we've decided to do a little bit of a preview for this. The plan is to hopefully utilize this new show on the main platforms, but we want to see how it's going to do on Patreon first. So the show is called Hallucinogenic Recipe. Most people know that that was uh, one of the the big bootleg collecting items. I believe it was the box set that was available for, for most of the collectors back then. That's over on our Patreon right now. We just released their first episode, their pilot, so to speak. And if you want to listen to that, if you're really into the bootleg trading aspect of the live shows, give it a listen because it's very good. And even if you're a newer fan and don't know any of this stuff, it's good to get this knowledge of it. John, you were there. I wasn't there. This is all stuff that I'm just learning for the first time. But you, it's stuff that you have to be all just reliving. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to this because I mean, I can I can look down under my desk here and see all my cassette tapes and like tape bootlegs that I had. And yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to hearing Patrick and Brian talk. And yeah, it's just another perk of, of joining the Patreon. You're going to get to hear the show uh, early, a couple weeks before everyone else does. Yep. So head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs or download the Patreon app and search for live on four legs. You'll find nobody but us because we're the only ones stupid enough to come up with that name. And one person was nice enough to donate to the bonus leg this week, and that would be Matthew L. So thank oh, you great. to Matthew L. Thanks, for Matthew. Our brand new patron for November. And yeah, like I mentioned, CBGBs and Bob Dylan tribute stuff, that's the stuff that's happening over on Patreon. And you never know, you know, maybe every now and again we'll we'll throw something random up, some something random on. You just never know what's what's going on over there. If you want to be part of the community and give back a little bit to us and a little bit to what we're gonna be doing in May when the tour comes around, that's what the Patreon platform is for. So I got nothing else when it comes to that. I think we can move on into the encores here. Back to the rock. So Ed is out solo and he's asked everybody, he's like, I don't know where all you are from. Are you from Albany? Are you from New York? Some of these people that we see up front, they're the same people everywhere we go. Shouldn't you be off getting yourself laid or somewhere or something? It's weird. It makes it really interesting to do set lists. Because, uh, you know, some of the people want to hear a bunch of songs that they know from the radio, some of the songs that they like to hear, some of the songs that they uh, fell in love to, some of the songs that they first got laid to. Some of the songs they ran away to. And then other people just want to hear the songs that we've never played before, once, ever, ever. And I guess what we should do is take the poll at the beginning of the night because we'd see how many of the the normal people are here and we'd see how many of the freaks are here and then we could do it accordingly. believe me when I was growing up the last thing I thought the worst thing you could turn out to be was normal so I say freaks in the most complimentary way that's a very interesting conversation you can t- you can go in a lot of different directions with with what he just said and break that down in, in many different ways right there you know he's kind of opening up as to what he does and and kind of some of the requests that he gets and and trying to i guess appease everybody in that crowd definitely this is like this is a classic ed speech i still remember this this is what i was referring to earlier like i when it came up here i was like oh yeah this is that show i remember this speech because yeah you know you don't normally get a some insight into how these these set lists are made you know we would we would get stuff later you know in pj20 and things like that the movie we we get certain certain things and in some of the DVDs, but yeah, this is this is really great. And you kind of hear like he doesn't know, like he that's why they mix it up because he's like, well, some 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 of these people want this and some other these people want this, and that's kind of the dichotomy of this band, right? You know, because 
some people want to hear black and alive and Jeremy and, you know, daughter and things like that. And some people they they never want to hear those songs again. So you have to kind of make everybody happy and that they, they do a very good job of doing that. It's a fine line to walk, but judging from this, this encore, he, he was feeling a certain way about it, but yeah, this is this is really good. I think it's just really interesting. I really remember this and going back to it was really fun. I, I love it when we get these little insights into kind of like we talked about earlier, kind of like behind the scenes, like the sound check, and you kind of like peek behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, they're, they're at a point in their career now where they have such an extensive catalog that they can kind of do these things and they can bring back songs every now and again to to sort of show their face and and to give some of the fans that their service that for, for the people that have been following them for you know years that have been to 60 70 some on shows that are just looking for the one after 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 so long not 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 hearing it and and there are some people that will never get to see Pearl Jam again there are some people that went to this Albany show for the first time and never saw them again afterwards. Yeah. And we don't, yeah. we don't consider that a lot. We don't consider that because we're just in this headspace of like, everything is Pearl Jam all the time, 100%. But yeah, there, there, there are people that will have a good time and will love the show. If all you get are black daughter alive and last kiss and that's okay to them. It yeah, doesn't every, make them show- lesser of fans, but it, it's, it's just who they are. Every show is somebody's first show. You that's know, so right. They've, they've got to remember that. And that's the reason that these set lists are mixed up. Like, that's the reason this podcast exists. Like, if, if the set lists weren't mixed up like they are, you and I wouldn't be here talking about it. No, no, because it would be boring. And yeah. we can, you know, maybe get one or two shows out of a podcast like that. That would be interesting. But I actually... In in doing some of the Rolling Stones research that I was doing last week, I stumbled upon a page that talked about the the nineteen ninety seven tour, the Bridges to Babylon tour that Pearl Jam opened up for them. And I saw that they had a set list on the page. I think it was a Wikipedia page. And it was it just said, Here are all the songs they played in order on that tour. Basically the whole entire tour they did this exact set list. And I think they, they did something like an, a web pick where I, I guess they put up a poll on their, on their website right, and people right. were able to to pick a song off their website, which, which wasn't uncommon at the time, but they were pretty much doing the, the same thing in the same order every single night for about oh, 80 to 90 to a hundred shows. That's gotta get boring. Yeah. You only and, need to see them once. You only need, you yeah. only need to go once. Right. If if you're there, especially those ones, if you're there and you want to go see Pearl Jam for four nights, you're you're obviously not going to go home when, when the Stones play. But you're just like, shit, OK, they, they played Satisfaction to open up every single show and they played I Miss You right in the middle and they played uh, Give yeah. Me Shelter right in the front. Yeah, like, like with it, they have such a catalog, like how cool would it have been if they'd mix it up every night? Like course. how many how many more people would have been interested? How many more people would have gone to multiple shows? Like, yeah. Oh, that's the thing. Like maybe a band like the Rolling Stones doesn't invite the deep cut kind of people. Yeah. It doesn't have that. Yeah. I think our generation starting in like the eighties, nineties, I think that they're looking for that stuff. Cause they're always looking for the songs that didn't hit radio. They're always looking for, okay, what am I missing from the collection? And I think it's, I, it I goes back to the Grateful that. Dead. Like people, maybe people would yeah. go out and search Grateful Dead stuff. Like, Oh, they, they played this at this one show. And like, yeah, that, 
it, some people have that collector mentality and some people don't. That's, then n- neither of them are right or wrong. It just this is the way some people are. Right. And coming from the collector mentality myself, mm-hmm. I I think it's just the the fact that there's so much joy in holding on to something. And I know that so many people have when we talk about rare songs and, and so many people have said, oh, I've seen Evil Little Goat. And I think to myself, I'm like, that's not that's not really an accomplishment that, that they only played that. Yeah. There three were years ago people there. Right. Yeah. It was a pretty big show. It's not like it was, it was in a place like Albany like this, but that's for them. That's a sense of pride. Yeah, and they absolutely. have that. I, I, I mean, I've seen tons of songs that some that I thought would never get played again, <clears throat> sweet Lou. And then some like out of my mind that I almost didn't really recognize it when they did it. And it wasn't until like mid song. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is, this is the one that they brought back in Philly. And I, I probably knew it a little bit better than I'm giving myself credit for, but you know, it's just in that same kind of vein, but still I, I can say I have seen that. And that excites me whenever I talk to people. So a little bit is it's street cred and a little bit of it is just the joy of of having something that that not a lot of other people have, which is going to show up not with the first song out of this encore one, but with the second one. The first one is just an acoustic. You've got to hide your love away, which is a nice Eddie solo to get you back into your seat after what was a, a nine song run really kind of without stopping to end your main set. And then. You get this. Satan's bed after 97 shows and really one god-awful attempt in State College, which means you have to go back to pretty much 1996 since they really played it sufficiently. It's making its way back into the fold for the 18th time, and you know what? Sounds pretty good here. It's got pretty polished, and I I, want to know what you think about it because I I know you've said in the past that there's never been a Satan's bed that sounds good (laughs) front to back. But look, I, I think this is another one where you get a little bit of Blue Boom's B3 bet on it. Mike's little flourishes and the chorus are always very good. So what do you think? Does, can this be a better live song if given more of the chance? Or does it deserve sort of the, the deep cut treatment that's gotten over the years? It's only gotten, what, 38, 38 plays, something really yeah. small like that. Yeah. So you think about this, a couple, couple of stats on this first. How about this being the only Vitalogy show of the night? This has to be the only show they've ever played where Satan's Bed is the only Vitalogy song that was played. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, and the other one, you know, Red. we talked about Red Mosquito being brought back. Red Mosquito, Satan's Bed, and then the one we're going to get to in a couple of songs here. 
all three of these songs, the the ones that were you know quote unquote brought back for the show, all three of them have been played more since this show than before it. That's and they incredible. came they came from you know 1993, 1994, 1996, but since 2006 they've been played more than they were before. That's yeah. that's something. You're right. Yeah, I mean this is at 18 times, and it, it, it would be played 20 more. Yeah. Uh, yep. Red Mosquito was at 44. That's really low for a red mosquito, and even ninety feels low. But yeah, you're. Hey, it's oh. getting played every night now. That's gonna pop I, up. Quickly. Right? Yeah. If, if if Danny Clinch is taking pictures, yeah. then yeah, yeah, it's it's coming. But uh, what what do you think of this version of Satan's Man? It's it's good. It it it's funny because it just kicks right in after you got to hide your level weight. It's like they're like, okay, give let's, you a second. Yeah. Let's like let's jump in on it before somebody forgets. Because, you know, the the sound check and everything, they worked through it for probably 10, 15 minutes. And it's pretty good. They they make it through. Nobody, like I mentioned, this was kind of a sloppy show. This one this one is great. They they get through it. I, I can just picture, you know, always ever since uh, we talked about that Greenville show, I was picture Mike, like, doing his thing. Like, yes, we made it. Like, we got through it. But, yeah, just uh, it's fun. It has that kind of feel to it where they're just like, okay, here's here's something you like. Let's just have some fun with it and not not take it too seriously. You haven't seen it, have you? You've never seen the song? No, never. I've seen it twice, which feels weird, but also yeah. in, in 20 tries after this performance, I, I guess it makes sense. However, it wasn't played at the Mansfield shows, but it was played in Mansfield 2008. It was brought back then. Mm-hmm. And, and even in 2006, nine times it's played in this year, 10% yeah. of the shows. Yeah, Which, I didn't. I didn't go to Lexington, but they played it in Lexington in 2016. Yeah, that mm-hmm. would have been my. That would have been my chance. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there you go. There, there you have it with that one. It, it's not every year, but it's like once. You yeah. look at that once, 2016. Once yeah. That's it. Yeah. 2018. It was the London show that I believe was the makeup show for Ed's uh, vocal injury. 2014. Once in Australia, once in Norway. 2013, a Philly and an Oklahoma City. That's it. Uh, 2011, PJ20. Yeah. 2010, Hartford. Like, that's really, really, really low totals there. So, Ectrum in 2009. Mm-hmm. Mansfield 2008. Yeah, just Not 2006 much. is probably, it's the, the year that it was played second most. 1995 was played, I think, 13 times. 2009 times. It's just the second, That's crazy. The second highest year of plays for it. That's crazy. And all these stats brought to you by LiveFootsteps.org. 100% wouldn't go anywhere else for anything. Yep. Such a great service they have over there. Wishlist. And really, I don't have a lot about Wishlist. We can kind of, it just feels like you're transitioning into your big moment from this. I don't even know what he's singing in the outro. It's something like, I wish you all a million breasts or something like that. I have no idea what he was singing in that. Yeah, about, about just breasts. yeah it just it does a little improv at the end. It's nice. Going back on an earlier compliment, this next one is for the freaks. We may not have ever played this song with Matt Cameron in the group, which is false. false. They played it twice. 1998. But as mentioned before and teased before, they mentioned the River Rats. This one is for the home team, and here we go. Don't eat, they don't eat, don't sleep, don't feed them animals. 
24 shows since they had played it twice with Matt Cameron in the Cameron era but man 29 overall this is one of the deepest of deep cuts that you can get from verses I know that WMA really doesn't get played a whole lot obviously it's being a tag but it at least has a presence in shows rats is almost forgotten about from 1998 until this point so I think it's a really good place to bring it back because they're probably looking around before the day and they're seeing signs that say River Rats and it's stepping up to a challenge and something that really maybe they haven't listened to in about a decade themselves like on a studio version so they're relearning it and they're getting comfortable with it again and, and not one they would bring back very often after this but I thought sounded pretty good once again like they're the kind of band at this point that aren't going to do something like they did in state college with with satan's bed they're going to be more prepared and even before the tour they probably knew that okay we're going to get to the point out of these 30 40 50 some odd shows where we're going to be begged like this and we're going to be begged for rats we're going to be begged for leash we need to at least get re-familiarized with them I wouldn't be surprised if in the warehouse they got together and practiced this a lot. Yeah, because it's not in the sound check, right? If you heard the sound mm-hmm. check, you wouldn't have known it was coming. Right, so, so they can't go yeah. into a cold. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Jeff immediately like just nails that that part. That was very impressive. I think Ed is the one who, who comes in too early, I think, at one point <laughs> and, and screws it up. But yeah, it, forgive it. 224 shows without playing it yeah go nuts and yeah it's just another treat for these fans who can say that yeah they were there when it happened look if you're lucky enough to live in new york city you've probably seen rats your fair share coming from the brooklyn shows and yeah shows. yeah right right because they like to kind of tongue-in-cheek ah the rats right you got rats on wall street they made a joke rats at chase stadium and and all that kind of pizza rat whatever you want to say and that's where it's it's spot is it's catering to that fan service once again so we don't talk about it a whole lot on our show only 59 times ever played this being the 29th so rats gets its moment in the sun here and then transitions into a very slow porch blues that gives the crowd enough time to just sing the intro themselves Ed should have picked up on that and just let them sing the whole thing like come on let them do it Give yeah. them the whole thing and let and yeah. just then burst into the rest of the song. This is a long version of Porch, just fast and very jammy though. Guitars are working really well opposite each other, and Matt has just just continued frenetic pace to it. And 2006 is where a lot of these songs really start to pick up and have that kind of energy, especially ones that have a little bit more time to them. And it gets a little bit of a call and response in, in this as well, which leads to sort of maybe my favorite moment in the song. 
which kind of gets a little bit smooth jazz for a little bit. It, it's it's a really interesting build back. It was kind of like for me, it was kind of like indie rock. It sounded almost like something a little like, bit. like like pavement would do, or like yeah. Tango would do, or something. Yeah. Right. Usually, you're kind of when you're when you're building back into the song, you want to hit those notes and kind of get that rise. But it was just this is gonna stay quiet. This is gonna stay easy, and then they kind of get tense with it again, and, and the chorus explodes at the end. Interesting version of Porch, though. I think Ed at the end of the show says, this was an interesting show, and I, I, yeah, 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 that's that's what I got, too. Like you mentioned in the beginning, the crowd singing along. Ed waits, and it's almost foreshadowing, because that, that intro goes on for a long time. It gets really quiet. He's almost whispering at one point into the microphone. And then, it, like you said, it, it goes into that jam, and it's just a great, like, we talked about Stone a lot on the show. Great Stone show. Stone and Mike together on the on this little almost the pre-jam, the first part of it. Because like yeah, like I said, this is a, this is over 11 minutes porch here. Oh, it's just it's really good. And then the the call and response that you mentioned comes in at about seven and a half minutes. Then there's that other section that we talked about. So yeah, this is great. I mean, it was it was great to hear them just kind of go off after after kind of something after doing Satan's Bed and Rats. You kind of think like crowds into it, play around with it, have some fun. Yeah, just it kind of it kind of fits the mood of the yep. night. I thought yep. this was great. For sure. And look, I think Porch in 2006. It's not going to be your Porch in 1992, but it is now in that pocket of being the song where it can have an identity like it did in the, in that meaty part going back into the court. I don't think a lot of those years, you know, maybe even around the time with Jack and, and early with Matt, I don't know if they knew what to do with it then. And here, I think they got it locked down. They're very yeah, I mean, back then it was just, it was like, hey, just vamp while Ed's going off being right. crazy. And right. now, like, they, especially in 2005, you saw that with Rearview Mirror and Porch, where they were really stretching it out and really starting to do these jams. 2005 and, is kind of becoming the, 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 the in-between yeah. year, yeah. where things completely just go up and change and get faster. Change styles Porch, like this, yeah. Porch kind of fell out of favor for a while, like 2000, right. 2003. Like, it wasn't what it was, but then it kind of had this rise again, started 2005, 2006, and started to see that that jam come back and it was it was more focused on the musical side of it not just like hey we, we gotta waste some time here right yeah and it's still working as a closing song to this very point so yeah that brings us to Doncore 2 Ed says we're out of wine so I just want to let you know that the show is over get some jeers or we can keep playing and I can just drink beer not to be disrespectful for you, but we got to pay respects to the people in the back. You can feel the pain and give it up for the people in the back because these are the working class people that had to go to work the day that the tickets went on sale. This is one of the weirdest constructions for an Encore 2 that I've seen in a very long time. And I mentioned 2005. They were doing some weird Encore 2s that year as well. Closing with weird stuff. Just just trying things. This seems like it's right out of that playbook. You know, to get a song like Sad in your second Encore to me is just very intriguing. Like, what were they thinking with that? And I, I sort of think... That the way that this is laid out, Last Kiss, Comeback, and Sad, this is a bit of a trilogy, almost. Think about the nature of each one of these songs. It's all about 
death. And you can kind of string a story together with this where last kiss could be like the situation of which the death is and comeback could be one side of the story and sad could be another side of the story because comeback is really from a personal perspective and sad is from more of an outside perspective. So what do you think about that? Just this being its own little trilogy here. Yeah, it's a, it's a good catch. You know, there is a little bit of a narrative there. Yeah, it's interesting. I, re- I really like this. Last Kiss, it's kind of like belittled, you know, for what for better or for worse. But this is played to the back, too. It, yeah, he even says, like, uh, Mike's in a tenuous position. Like, it feels like he might be, like, standing on the drum riser or something. Like, yeah. not not a lot of room to move around. But just fun. Like, you can tell Matt's playing on that, that little drum set that's back there. The drums sound very different. Um, he's on the little small kit. He can just stand up and and they can all kind of play together. So yeah, it's just fun. Comeback I thought was great. I think he asked the crowd like, hey, you know, do you want to hear another new one or should we just go? And but of course, play the new one. But for the third performance of Comeback, this is fantastic. I think this and Gone, the best of the of the avocado songs of the night. And I thought the whole mood of it was fantastic. And then to get something like Sad, you know, you've already gotten satan's bed you've already gotten rats you've already gotten like red mosquito to throw sad on top of it a very long intro to sad just noodling beforehand yeah yeah Yeah. love it yeah i i thought that sad was definitely the icing on the cake after these two and it's kind of you know i i know that this is the tour that you're you're promoting the record and you're playing some of these new songs but it is kind of weird that comeback and what we know of it now, it's it's really become the tribute song. And it, it is a little strange that it's not attributed to something that has happened. And usually that's where you get this deep emotional connection out of the song. And I, I, I'm not saying that it, it wasn't there, but I think they were starting to, at that point, just say, okay, let's figure out what we have with the song. And then that's that evolution process later on okay, we know when we're going to play a song that's going to be a tribute, it's going to be this one. So I, I don't think they were thinking that those terms just yet then. But you have to think with the, with the three here, they're they're not looking at this and, and saying, oh, yeah, these, these songs don't go together. I, I, I think they, there's an understanding there that this section is about something. So... Sad is very good. Sad is very, very good. And I I wish you can hear it in Encore 2 every night, but I don't even know if you get it in Encore 2 again. You might get it once or twice, sprinkled out throughout the years that that they've done it, but not much. Not much. I don't think they've played it in a couple years. So very, very rare. But even the end of the set, Crazy Mary and Alive, you're not getting any bread and butter. You're getting a staple of the encore and then you're you're just finishing it out it's it's no big elaborate finish for this show if there's no rocking in the free world there's no lead better there's none of that it's just kind of all right we're just going out we're just going out and i think even you know there's there's some time at the end of a live where you know the crowd is, is sticking around and there was a comment that i read that people thought oh obviously they're staying around because they're expecting lead better even with the house lights up but they didn't get it this one so i think that's interesting and we we've gotten a, a, a couple versions of alive lately that have ended up being the set list closer and we've mentioned hey that doesn't usually happen and we're it seems like we're wrong because we <laughs> that's that's the way the dominoes have been falling here but we're not 
yeah. it, it's only been closed with 18 times. So Crazy Mary has also got to give the credit to Boom here because there was no duel. It was just a Boom showcase, basically. Right. And it is kind of a fun moment, too, right before Ed says, is it Saturday yet? And he says, oh, it will be by the end of the song. Yeah, right. I know it was like they're, they're going to get into jam territory again. But yeah, I thought it was fun. Just speaking of evolution, you know, we're going to be doing one on this one coming up here soon. So we're going to have to we're going to have to take this era into account. And yeah, the no uh, Mike lets Boom have his moment here. He doesn't try to show him up. So yeah, it's fun. And with Alive too, you know, the VH1 storytellers was only a, a few weeks after this, where they they really talked about you know playing up the the hey hey hey, and like they, they talked about Alive and that. You already kind of see that playing here in 2006 you know the the curse is definitely lifted it was absolutely lifted by then and i think even after 2000 you saw a little bit of that in 2003 i think a lot of people just had that attachment because they knew how special it was after that there was a little bit of that residual factor of you yeah. know that it was so hard for them to play it so there's so much more warmth to it when they do I think it's still working through a lot of that, and, and yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I, I think Ed kind of comes to those terms and, and sees it as a net positive instead of it being kind of a, uh, I don't like calling it sort of a thematic narration of what he went through, because it's not, but it's a sarcastic version of that. But it becomes so much more, and, and that's the discussion that, that, that they have in VH1 Storytellers. So, yeah, that's that's the way you end it here. And like we mentioned, no lead better, no rocking in the free world. You're ending on a live, which is, which is quite all right. But that gets us into the end of the show. And Stone takes the mic at the end and said, Bush has been working out. He looks kind of buffer kind of chesty if you're guessing which band member put on a george w bush mask and went around giving the middle finger you're guessing who it is your guess has to be jeff and that guess is right because jeff is is probably the most buff of anybody in the band so fun moment and we only know who put the mask on because of some of the comments made in the forum yeah. afterwards yeah so. jeff is the athlete right he's he is he, he was the, the basketball player but this is at the end, he says goodbye and remarks that it was an interesting night. <laughs> interesting way to put it, but <laughs> feel you here. Okay, three moments from this. What are you going to take? You kind of mentioned some before, so yeah. I expect them to come back again. Yeah, a few a few good ones in this one. Um, my number three is going to be Small Town. Just hearing the crowd on that really kind of got my attention early on in this show. I thought it was a really good moment. My number two is Gone. I thought the best of the of the nine avocado songs that were played. Great performance all around. Wish song comes back. Gone for 2022. You heard it here first. And uh, my number one's Porch. thought this was a fantastic version of Porch. I think we're going to have totally different lists here. Yeah. That's, yeah, that hasn't happened in a long time. I'm going to go my number three. I'm going to say The Open, which was The Waste of Reprise and The Life Wasted. It's something I don't think I had listened to on a bootleg before, but I've always wanted to see how it ended up and it was everything to my expectations what i would have wanted it's a great way to open the show it got you going you really felt where you were at that in this and and what the show was going to be and my number two moment i think i'm going to put as red mosquito i really like this version of red mosquito it just had a groove to it and once again like you're paying attention to the way it's being paced out and and stone almost sounding like he's playing on an acoustic when he's doing that riff 
while Mike is doing his thing and doing it fantastically, I just couldn't get over what Stone was doing on that. So I'm going to give Red Mosquito the mark there. And I'm going to say my number one is Severed Hand in this. I think it just won me over. Mm. And not that it doesn't win me over when I hear it, but this version, it being kind of locked in and a song that they were playing at, like, not just letterman but snl i believe it was one of the songs that they played at snl it's one that they feel really really good about and you can tell why they were really gelling with it at the time so uh yeah i was i was feeling it from this one especially at the end there was just some there was some magic to it and uh yeah that that's the one i would like to see back in 2022 uh if they get a chance to bring anything back okay what do you got for a rating on this i'm gonna give this one a solid eight uh, okay. some, some good moments, some good ed speeches. The, the encore break speech is really good, really iconic. It's got a good mix of, you know, great versions of crowd favorite songs and a bunch of rare songs to go back to solid eight. Uh, I'm at a seven and a half on this. I, I like the show. I think overall, some of the performances, I'm going to forget about in a couple of months. Cause that just happens. And maybe that's just sort of the idea of, of listening to a different bootleg every week. But, you know, I, I think you, what you don't forget is the moment like Rats. I think that one just sticks in your mind forever. You always know that Rats came back in Albany and it will always have a place in the Pearl Jam catalog because of that. But as far as like in, enjoyment of a show, I, I really did like it. And I think seven and a half sometimes. I like the seven and a half rated shows more than I, I lead on because it it's it just means that it, it's not trying to put them in a category of like these were worse than this or this wasn't as good as this. It's to say it's a seven and a half is a show that's worth checking out, but it's not going to be one that blows the seam off at all. But it's very, very good. And I think that eights do that for me. I think eights have some moments to them. Seven and a half, not quite there. Uh, so that's where I am with that. But that's, again, I, I don't want that to be misconstrued as being a bad thing at all. I, I like a lot of the shows that, that uh, I've given seven and a halfs to. Just put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Totally fine. Not all right. With you. Yeah. Well, even if you did, I wouldn't let you. So, <laughs> all right. Next week, we're just going to keep on going to the end of 2021 here, which is coming sooner than we think. We should have mentioned this before when we were mentioning Patreon stuff, but we are doing our holiday party once again. That will be on December 16th, and it's open for everybody, and we've done Secret Santa, and, and that's been... Uh, ongoing and please if if you're paying attention to that just just keep in mind if you're involved with it just make sure that you buy your gift for your 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 participant that you that you're gifting for and that deadline is coming pretty soon i believe it's on december 2nd so just make sure that you get that done and we're not chasing you down because that's the worst part and especially shipping this time of year is the worst so we just want to make sure everybody gets their gift which we will all be opening together on the 16th during a Zoom party, but if you didn't get involved in Secret Santa, you could still come to the Zoom. Hopefully, there's going to be some live music there. There's going to be a lot of things going on. So, hope to see you all there. Just get in touch with us if you'd like to come, and we will supply you and support you with uh, a link or whatever it is that you need to get you there. So, to get to next week, what you need is tickets to Seattle. 
because we're going back to Seattle and we're almost done with Seattle and, and it's been a fun ride, but I'm, I'm excited to get to other things. I will say, I will say that much. I'm excited to get to different themes. I think this theme lasted a very long time as the yearly themes do. I think we do these every year where there's something, but next year is going to be a little bit of something different. We'll talk about that when we talk about that, but the one show that we haven't done from Seattle, the one show that we haven't done from the home away shows in 2018 in general is the first Seattle night of that run, the both the home shows. We did the second one some point, I don't remember when, but we 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 did it probably before pandemic or during pandemic. I'm I'm not too sure, but we haven't done night one yet, so that's what we're going to do. It's a show with uh, some great moments. It's a show with some tributes. That's what you got for next week, and after after that, there won't be many shows for the rest of the year. So yeah, so we'll we'll just take it week by week. Anything to add to that? Um, you know, a lot of people. We're going to talk about those those home shows, the, the, the two nights at Safeco. So that's going to be a fun one. Looking forward to it. Sounds good. I'll see you then. Here comes the spiel. I got to do my spiel. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. I miss you always. Here's the part where John usually says something off the cuff that you might not be expecting. A little more chesty. <laughs> <laughs>